You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey there, White Sox fans. Guess what? It is Southside Sox in the farm podcast number 14 you might be saying hey number 14 this should be like 15 i should have got like a whole nother half hour hour of delicious minor league discussion with darren black minor league expert for south side Sox, and i think i got ripped off i paid for that and i didn't get it yes yeah. it is true that we were off last week between uh, crosstown uh, fever weekend and then Coming up on the Field of Dreams game, it just seemed like a good time to sort of take a pause. Listen, I missed my best buddy in the whole wide world, our White Sox, Southside Sox, minor leagues expert, Darren Black, but he's back with us. Thank you for joining me and not just saying, forget it. I'm never going to talk to this guy again. Yeah, I'm back <laughs> and I'm talking to you again. <laughs> Yes, and we are also dealing with some sketchy Wi-Fi, so who knows? It could turn out that I either talk to myself for like 10 minutes, or this could be yeah. a very abridged podcast. So, Darren, I suppose, let's try to get right to it. I don't even know where I want to start. You know what I want to start with? Because during the one minor league update I do a week, and man, I got to tell you, Darren, it's taxing going through those games, especially this week where I had three games to do based on some bizarre Con, con, uh, conflagration of circumstances, including mm -hmm. Charlotte having a scheduled day off on a Saturday night. Very, very curious there. I don't know what was going on with Jacksonville preseason football or <laughs> something. I don't know what it was. They had no game, uh, but I did do something on my report that perhaps some of you even dedicated podcast listeners for our minors podcast didn't bother to read or didn't care because I was writing it. So you just skipped through everything, just voted for a couple of players and got out of here. But you know, Darren, I think you're aware the minor league 
Mets are basically awful for the White Sox. You have covered more minor leagues than anybody. So you actually, as, as of press time, you have a 50 and 90 record covering the team. Now, interestingly, Darren, that puts you, you are, you have the wrong hat on because you are the Winston-Salem Dash. You have the exact same winning percentage as the Winston-Salem Dash. And, you know, because, uh, Darren, there were so many games canceled, I decided, okay, well, you know, whatever. I should look up, let's see where they are in the standings, et cetera. And we all know the the system's terrible. Uh, Charlotte is in not only in last place. They're pretty deep in last place. They are actually the worst triple-A team of, of any team. Same goes for Winston-Salem. Work, not just deep in last place. But the worst, curiously, Canapolis. There is one team, uh, the Visalia Wachamajiggers, uh, Arizona's yeah. affiliate. One team is actually worse than Canapolis, and Canapolis is pretty much the worst of them all. So, uh, I, I and then I thought, okay, well, now where does Darren rank in this? Because unfortunately, he gets saddled with all these losses, so his his winning percentage of coverage can't be that great. And as it turns out. You are the Winston Salem Dash. Congratulations! Um, can you pitch? Uh, I wish that'd be fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, this this system of teams is pretty bad. I think they just have one above five hundred team. Yeah, it's not a uh, not good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, Arizona. I mean, I don't know why I'm continuing to talk about this because we don't care about team performance, but why not? Your Wi-Fi is, is still strong, so let's just wrap on it. Uh, Arizona Complex, not terrible, but relatively speaking, only the third worst team in all of the Arizona Complex League. And among 46 teams in the Dominican Summer League, the White Sox actually aren't that bad. They're like sort of sort of middle, middle low, middle, but... Uh, yeah. I also thought it was funny that there are 46 teams and the White Sox have one, which is sort of frightening, but okay, well, I guess that means there are other franchises that only have one. So the White Sox, despite being in Chicago and having lots of money. Anyway, another podcast here and another podcast. So anyway, uh, congratulations, Dash. And perhaps, uh, you know, whether you work out the, the, the left armed shoulder or you really go back to what I assume to be your, your usual right-handed fastball, you might want to work out at some point because I do think they may be looking. They've got a, we've signed a number of undrafted free agents and, yeah, you know, who's to say? They, they're, uh, their pitching staff is not great. Yeah. To I mean, say the least. You sort of got the facial hair going, you know, you got a variety of yeah. caps, you know, a terrific sense of humor and a sketchy Wi-Fi. So really here, you're a minor league. Yeah, I'm a minor team. league baseball player. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to jump around. Uh, I wanted to have a little bit more exhausting list of uh, players, if there are many, who have been released by the White Sox with the influx of new players coming in. Uh, but I can't really find that. So we, we know of just a couple. So let's talk about them right off because they are higher profile players and highly ranked even on our very last prospect list. The first uh, player who has not only been cut but is now gone from the White Sox organization. And that's uh, Luis Gonzalez. Uh, through some uh, arrangement of uh, reactivations, Luis, though hurt, did end up having to be released. It's sort of a lame situation that the White Sox can't somehow hold a guy who's not even playing and probably won't play the rest of the year. But he was cut loose, and I want to say San Francisco picked him up, but he was picked up on a waiver. So he uh, probably the guy we consider as a true outfielder, the top true outfielder or closest to the majors outfielder in the system is now no longer with us. 
Yeah, so out of the out of the true outfielders, I guess it's really just Luis Gonzalez and Blake Rutherford at this point. Um, Gonzalez was actually doing pretty well. He was kind of a quad A guy at this point because uh, he was also in the majors for like a little bit last season, just a few games, like 10 games total. Um, but he was having one of his better um, – well, not one of his better, but a much better offensive mm-hmm. season compared to 2019. Um, uh, the last time he was in the minors, um, he was really showing a bit more power. He was walking a lot more, which was pretty surprising. It was about like 5% up. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't understand why MLB doesn't allow you to place a guy on the 60, uh, man or 60 day IL, uh, cause Luis Gonzalez would be getting a pay raise to be on that list since he'd be uh, technically on the 40 man roster. Um, I don't know what's so bad about that, but you're not allowed to do that. And so uh, they cut him to make room uh, for, uh, I think the, I think it was Jake Lamb. They yeah, had a Jake lot of Lamb. guys come up recently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so Jake Lamb's on the team and now Luis Gonzalez is in San Francisco. Jake Lamb. <laughs> you know, that's not, a, for all the plot lines that we envisioned, Darren, even on this podcast, uh, I'm not sure cutting Luis Gonzalez for Jake Lamb to get just a little bit of action out of Jake Lamb, a little bit of third base, a little bit of left field, a little bit of DH out of Jake Lamb would have been on my bingo card at all. So, uh, boy, you know, you can never really predict how seasons yeah, go. No. I mean, this happened last year, too, when they released Basabe, um, and then San Francisco picked him up. So it's, I guess San Francisco just loves White Sox, like, seventh and eighth outfielders. At this point. And, and, and look, uh, that – that has fueled them to, uh, if not the best record in baseball, one of the best, if not the best in the National League. So clearly that's Pasabe power right there. That's Luis Gonzalez yeah. power. Clever. They have found uh, – they're dedicated to metrics or something because, boy, they've, they've found one of the new, uh, the new advantages in the system. Uh, I, I guess you could imagine that there's ways to maybe abuse the system if you're able to take these so-called, you know, injuries. I mean, the truth is if a, if a team wants to pay a guy the minimum salary, I suppose you'd think maybe they should just have a limit for minor league guys. Could we put on the 60 man or something? Yeah. You think that that's not just built for abuse, but it is a shame that Luis does have to, uh, yeah, does have to leave the organization, even if he wasn't shaping up to be maybe a key component in the future. But Darren, let's move on to the next guy, much fresher news, Zach Birdie. Again, in a combination of, of, of moves today, was released. Uh, he is not injured, but he's sort of pitching like he, um, you know, never really did recover fully from injury, even though mm-hmm. he has got cups of coffee in the last two seasons with the White Sox. So technically he qualifies as a first rounder of the White Sox who's played on the team this year and they can add, they can pad that list. Uh, didn't really pitch well, obviously, for the White Sox, did not pitch well in Charlotte and was cut loose. He seems like a guy who might fall potentially in a Tyler Johnson situation where maybe he could come back to the team. But do you, do you anticipate him getting uh, uh, picked up at with his first round pedigree? Um, I think he so he was DFA'd from the 40 man. Um, I think specifically it was to call up Mike Wright, though there were like five other moves mm-hmm. that they made at the same time. Um, I would assume someone is going to put in a claim for him and then he's going to, whatever new team he's on, he's going to finish out the season uh, and just, I'm not going to say close or be a late inning guy, but just pitch whenever you need a guy to throw out there because he really hasn't been good. I mean, you've got 
kind of a tale of two different injury stories with the Knights right now. If Birdie survives the waiver period, uh, Berger, who actually came back, did well, and then Birdie, who was never the same. Um, it's great for Berger, and I'm hopeful that Birdie actually gets claimed because it'd be nice to see him actually mm. get a chance somewhere else instead of go up and down all the time, which I usually don't think is fantastic for development. Yeah. Um, but he just couldn't cut it. He didn't really have the stuff that he had, and with the bullpen that the Sox have, the arms that they have, the fact that Birdie was DFA'd says a lot about how the White Sox thought about Birdie at this stage of his career. Darren, a broader question it just came to me to ask. Uh, it's a power arm. It's a max effort pitch uh, league right now. It's a it's it's a power arm um, uh, majors and and minors. Um, the White Sox, along with probably every organization, including the Angels, who I believe went twenty for twenty in selecting pitchers this last <laughs> draft. Um, going hard for pitchers, um, Tanner McDougal's one of the latest who, you know, they sort of took, you know, on, on the floater that they might be able to, uh, wrestle them away from a college commitment and did succeed in doing that. Does it make it easier for organizations to easier might not be the right word, but, uh, to cut guys loose because they've been so aggressive in getting the new arms, you know, there's the Caleb Freeman's, there's the Bennett Souza's, there's the Andrew Perez's, uh, Cannon before he got hurt. Is it easier to sort of do guys get flushed through the system quicker now? A few years ago, would Zach Bird even be getting more chances, or is this just something that would happen no matter what? I think, well, quite frankly, I think Zach Birdie has gotten like a decent amount of chances since 2019. He just he never he never showed that he was the guy they drafted in the. I'm not sure what to call it, the first round, but like they let a qualified player go or something, whatever that first round is called. Um, I think he got plenty of chances here and he never showed anything. Um, but I mean, if you just look at the sock system, the past like couple of years, it has been a steady of like, uh, like Matt Foster, can you show me what you're doing right now? And then 2020, he's great. 2021, he's not. So Ryan Burr, show me what you've got. Um, Evan Marshall, you're pretty bad. Reynaldo Lopez, welcome back. Oh, you're doing pretty well. Okay. Well, you're staying here. I think that kind of, I think that kind of fits everywhere because with the facts, at least all of them um, besides like Evan Marshall for that example, throw 95 ish and then have a, at least a fine second pitch. And you can do pretty well over three batters with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks, there aren't like those guys all over the right. place, like guys that have been, been around for a long time and have been good for a long time. Um, Cause even Aaron bummer, you had people were worried like, Oh, is he, starting to be bad because that's just kind of what happens with the relievers. They just kind of lose it. And then he's gotten himself right again. Well, hopefully he'll be good for a long time, Mm -hmm. but um, that I definitely seems like that happens more often. I'm sure someone's written a paper at Sabre or Bangrass about it. Um, But it definitely like seems like it with your, with the way that the Sox use their kind of (laughs) like, MLB the show moves this season. Yeah. So, so you've got sort of a, this, I mean, I'm sure you always, there always has been, but maybe it's even more intensified now this cast system in bullpens where you've got the elite guys, the guys who are making uh, the six, uh, seven figures, uh, you know, let's say um, who you've committed to for better or worse, you've committed to. And then you've got this sort of like 
bullpen in the bullpen of guys that are just, you know, sort of the, the grinders who you're right. You can sort of like, we see it maybe to a degree in Cody Hoyer being a guy who ended up getting traded because he wasn't have this, having the same kind of season he had in 2020. Yeah. It becomes a little bit easier maybe to dis, dispose of guys or move them out or move them down. As you said, I think you said it better than me because there's going to be another arm. So you say, okay, Jose Ruiz, let's see what you got. Nick Turley, let's see what you got. And, you know, I, I suppose if they all, if they all flame out, you know, you're going to be a losing team, but you know, often enough, a guy sticks and it's like, Oh, Hey, wait a minute. You know, this guy, Ryan Burr, maybe a good example, doing pretty well at Charlotte managing doing pretty well with the white Sox. It's like, okay, let's ride him. And if it's a month, if it's a week, Mm -hmm. if it's a season, great. If not, you know, we flush him out, bring somebody back up from, from Charlotte and sort of just keep that whole gear, you know, moving through. Yeah. And normally it's not the guys that are, if you're a playoff team, normally it's the guys that you're kind of shuffling aren't actually the top three relievers you have. Um, like where the Sox were kind of like, well, we should, we need another reliever is because their top three guys would have been Hendricks, Kopech and Bummer, which doesn't sound like a fantastic top three with how, with how uh, Hendricks home run problem with what's it, which Zach wrote pretty decently on today. And then, um, and then Aaron Bummer wasn't looking spot before the trade deadline. So after you just add a guy and now you don't really have to worry as much with those three bullpen arms, cause you're not going to use them in the playoffs. So you can just kind of keep shuffling them, shuffling mm-hmm. them to see if someone's going to earn a spot in the bullpen. Um, cause right now it's probably going to be, uh, uh, Keuchel or cease in the bullpen along with everybody else. So you just kind of just have to find another guy. Maybe you don't use them that often, but maybe you put them in the fifth inning with bases loaded because someone's really struggling, but yeah. like El Duque, but yeah. you've got. Yeah, I can only, I can only speak to one other sport with much intelligence, but it sort of strikes me a little bit <laughs> of a, a basketball bench where you've got the guys who are trying to play their way into the rotation. They want to get into that top eight or top nine using rotation isn't the best terminology here with baseball, but you sort of want to get it. You're the, you're the, you're the you're the desperation, the game's thrown away guys. And, you know, everybody gets used in a minor league, in a major league uh, uh, roster, of course, only 26 guys. But uh, in terms of playoffs, you've got these guys who are like really maybe just, you know, the, the deep emergency guys, you, you sort of right now, you're trying to play your way into a rotation where, you know, LaRusse can go out there and depend on you. And so, you know, there, there's, there's the end of the bench and then there's guys who are like, okay, I'm, I'm sort of at least on the periphery and that's what I'm playing for. So maybe I actually get a little bit of a glory come playoff time and build on it for 2022. Yeah. It's basically, if you're looking at a guy, uh, so I'm sure Ryan, or actually, I'm not sure. I'm sure one of Ryan Burr, Matt Foster, and Reynaldo Lopez will be in the uh, playoff bullpen. And their role is going to be solely a cease. We have a six-run lead. Why don't you just take a break? Raylo, Matt Foster, uh, Ryan Burr, Jose Ruiz, you take the sixth and seventh. Please don't blow it. <laughs> that's basically... <laughs> That's basically that's a quote. <laughs> that's an actual that's quote. Basically, from what the Sox are trying to find right now. Yeah. Top four is set, and then, and then obviously the top three, at least in their starting rotation, is set. Hey, Darren. Speaking of guys you wouldn't expect to see on a playoff roster and a playoff mix, one of the number of transactions, I believe there were a total of five um, today that ended up with Zach Birdie um, 
you know, sort of being flushed out of the White Sox system and designated for assignment uh, is that Mike Wright or Mike Wright Jr., depending on uh, how much you uh, honor the junior senior, uh, is on the White Sox roster now. Uh, is that a signal that the White Sox are going to be trying to give some guys with the big lead they have, give some guys a little bit more rest, maybe throw in right for a spot start or a, at the very least wrong Larif, and he's he's really just he's just fuel for this team to get through the last um whatever, six weeks of the season. Yeah, no, I, so he, he's been a starter this season, this entire season. So I, I don't, I don't think they're going to use him in, in relief because uh, he really hasn't ever been a reliever, but then again, Raylo <laughs> is now a reliever, but we always all thought like, if he was mm-hmm. going to stay in the majors, he'd be a reliever, but we're here for Mike Wright. Um, he, Probably will get some spot starts, I'm hoping, because uh, obviously Rodon probably won't be back for another week-ish uh, from what Tony La Russa said. And then uh, Dylan Cease, this is going to be the most innings he's pitched ever. Um, obviously, none of these guys pitched a normal amount of innings mm-hmm. last season, so you get kind of worried with maybe not Lance Lynn, who just <laughs> can just throw 100 pitches all the time, but maybe you get a little, little worried about Lucas Giolito running out of gas at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe you just let him go on six days rest or something or seven days rest uh, once they get because I don't think they have another off day for a couple weeks. Right. Um, so maybe you have Mike Wright spot start. And then when the rosters go up to 28 in September, you just kind of extend. Now you pitch every six days or seven days, something like that. Yeah, so that's that's also- what I think they're going to do. But it's. I mean, they have such a big lead. It's just a really weird time to be a Sox fan because these games don't really – you want them to do well against the Yankees and Oaklands, and then it's like it really doesn't matter until the playoffs. It's just a weird – because you're going to have games where Andrew Vaughn's going to start at second base again, I'm pretty sure. It's just going to be those weird games. (laughs) Oh, no, it'll be a new position. I think he goes to short, Darren. I think he's going to short. Catcher? Yeah, Uh, catcher. the uh, and it also alleviates the pressure. Not that I think Tony Russo could care less about the fan base or, or the front office, but it alleviates some of the pressure and some of the clamor um, for Mike uh, Michael Kopech to be starting. He's already probably up against his immune limit. We uh, we knew from the start yeah. he was being held for October. That was the plan to begin with. He's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of use, and uh, they don't need him spot starting a game at the end of August. That's completely meaningless. Uh, they might not be able to start him the rest of the year, even into the playoffs, but they definitely don't want to burn that when they could be perhaps using it for a very important start, you know, maybe even in October. So having a guy like that to plug in and say, yeah, that's a Mike Wright Jr. Start. Come on. Man, this was the plan all along, yeah. uh, you know, sort of just allows Kopech to still be that, you know, one, one plus any guy out of the pen until there's a need to, you know, until there's a need to, to switch it around. And maybe at the end of the season, maybe, maybe you do give him that one start just in case, but they might all, at this point they might be all in with him just as the one to two inning guy because I'm not sure how much they can, you know they can they can push him and challenge him to suddenly be a guy expected to get four or five innings in a playoff start. Yeah, I I wish he was getting ramped up to be more of a starter this season because I really want him to be a starter next season. Mm-hmm. But something that like he's always been in his head a bit and I know he's had some uh like mental health issues which is one of the reasons why he didn't pitch last season um and so taking that away from it but like in the field of dreams games when he got like a not a strike three called he just kind of 
yeah. I blew it away. And so I kind of worry about that. And if having him go to a completely different mindset to go starting is good, probably would be too much of an issue at this point. Um, honestly, I'm kind of worried about the playoffs with him if he's going to kind of just melt down like that and just not get anywhere near the zone and then get taken out. Um, if he's going to do that in the playoffs, I hope he's ready for the amount of pressure that he's going to be yeah. under in the playoffs compared to the field of dreams game. But I think if you're wanting what's best for him, it's probably best that he just stays in the bullpen role. And then maybe you tell him like, Hey, uh, work it up in the off season. Yeah. That's it. Um, and then, yeah. And then same thing with Garrett Crochet. I hope they also tell him, hey, go work it up in the offseason. Because yeah. both of them are supposed to be starters. Um, I don't yeah. think we as Sox fans should settle for them being relievers. Yeah. We got them to be starters. Yeah, hey, you know, be ready. If the White Sox swing a bunch of free agent signings in the offseason and they don't need to be starters, haha. <laughs> Wink, uh, you know, then Darren, great, you know, terrific. You know, Rodon comes back and they even get like a couple other guys. Oh, awesome, man. We're eight deep. Well, then, okay. Yeah. You know, still work out a pen. Great. Ain't going to happen. But I mean, yeah, I would think for no. sure in the off season, you ramp those guys up and say, Hey, just, you know, just be ready because it's a lot easier. I think to scale down than it would be to scale up. It's impossible to scale up. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's uh, we we've talked a lot of, uh, I guess, AAA majors. I don't know. This is a grab ass. I mean, we were off a week and now I'm lost. It's yeah. like I'm finally back with my buddy, but you know I'm just lost. So let's We're take in a Charlotte, Chicago uh, like lane right now. Ooh, it's not a great place to be. The Chicago part's not bad. Charlotte, yikes! Uh, let's use this as an example to take a break. We'll talk about. We'll probably shoot all the way down to Arizona, but we'll talk about some other stuff going around in the system uh, after a quick break on Southside Sox on the Farm Podcast Number Fourteen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, guess what? We are back. It's number 14. I just said that, but you heard a commercial. Uh, it was probably for a good product. No, actually, it probably really wasn't. But, you know, I appreciate you listening. That's cool that you did. I uh, appreciate it. Maybe you got a lucky podcast where somehow like it skipped right to the second half. You didn't even have to wait 30 seconds or a minute to hear the next Pearls of Wisdom coming from my guest, Darren Black, talking about the White Sox system. We covered Charlotte. We, co- we covered a lot of stuff in the first half. Let's take a different direction, Darren. Now let's, let's focus on Arizona. Let's just jump down Arizona. Maybe we'll bounce back up to some of the other uh, uh, levels as well, but let's go to Arizona because we're starting to see all the draft choices getting their feet wet and uh, undrafted free agents. Some guys um, showing out pretty well in, in Arizona who are not even drafted uh, impressions early on. The team itself isn't good, but Hey, that just falls in line with the rest of the system. So no big deal there. But 
guys uh, um, shown pretty well to you, or are there a couple uh, guys who early on maybe a little disappointing or concerning? Uh, well, of the of the top guys, Colson Montgomery, um, West Cath, Tanner McDougal, Sean Burke, they actually all did well. So I don't know how to read into that. Obviously, Sean Burke and Tanner McDougal each just pitched an inning themselves, but it was a pretty good inning. No <laughs> right. runs. Uh, McDougal struck out all three batters. Um, uh, Colson Montgomery got a walk rate above 10%. West Cats has a homer. Um, they should be here for the playoff run. Um, but, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> they were drafted out of high school. They're going to probably be in Arizona this season, then Canapolis for all of next season unless they do really well. Mm-hmm. And then they'll probably be in Winston-Salem, Birmingham in 2022, and then Charlotte, White Sox 2023. So I will give all of my hot takes about the 2021 <laughs> draft class <laughs> <laughs> next season. <laughs> oh, no, I'll ask you next week. Forget it. I'm going to ask you more. I'll be like, I forgot we talked about this. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. jump to a guy who's moving quickly through the system. Uh, who seems to not be able to, I mean, frankly, this goes back to, I'm pretty sure he started in the DSL, but certainly in Arizona, he was great. Canapolis, he was great. So far, it seems like Winston-Salem, he wasn't great. And that is everyone's favorite, even though Trooper Galactus is trying to steal my thunder on Jose <laughs> Rodriguez by claiming, oh, he's my number one prospect or whatever. Hey, Trooper, get in line. I'm on the guy. Get in line. But listen, Jose Rodriguez has been phenomenal. His promotion, now granted, Here's the question I want to ask you, because it's a given he's been doing great. He's hit the ground running, it seems like, in Winston-Salem. I want to compare him to another of the fastest tracking recent players we've had, and that's Luis Robert. And I know that's a ridiculous comparison. To me, a layman, the big difference here is Jose Rodriguez cannot play defense. Um, But how do those guys... How do those two guys compare? Is there any conceivable way that Jose Rodriguez moves through the system with close to the rapidity that a guy like Luis Robert did? Because we're looking for guys who are going to move up, not just guys who are going to play decent, you know, show out well at double A and then just, you know, and then just peter out. Uh, is Jose Rodriguez the kind of guy who could really ride a wave into the major leagues, maybe even sooner than you'd anticipate? Uh, so short answer, no. Um, but I will take this opportunity to also bring up that Norgay Vera did finally debut. Yes, he did. Because with Luis Roberts case, he probably should have been in the major sooner, like take out the injuries that he, that he had, but he had to stay in the DSL. Well, no, I shouldn't say that he had to, he stayed in the DSL, uh, for tax purposes. Um, I don't understand the whole thing of it, which is probably on purpose. But they <laughs> saved they saved money yeah. keeping Luis Robert in the DSL. Yeah. Um, but no, Luis Robert is far and away better than Jose Rodriguez ever will be. Um, like Luis Robert was hitting like he had like a 200 WRC plus in Winston Salem, and then basically did the same thing in Birmingham. Jose Rodriguez had a 110 WRC plus in Canapolis, which is very good for a 20 year old. And um, we'll see how he goes uh, with the dash. But he had a fine first week. He had his first homer in high A. Um, but he is not – the defense is not close either, but neither is the bat. Uh, Jose Rodriguez is going to be a slow, methodical okay. uh, kind of move up. Unless he does have a really fantastic swing. I love it. Just If he starts getting a bit more home run power, maybe that could change because mm. um, I don't really understand why minor league ballparks always have these really tall walls. Um, <laughs> it, 
they just always have tall walls, like in the oddest places. Um, so maybe he could have a few more homers instead of doubles, but I, I, without that, he's not moving up because he also doesn't have the uh, walks to go with it either. He's, he's just a bat on ball guy and that's going to be how he rides his way to the majors. Um, and if that like falls even a bit as he gets to tougher pitching, then that's really going to be a wake up call for everybody involved with him being your number one prospect. I am not one that thinks he is. I, he's a top five prospect in a not very great system. Um, you can read however that, however way you want top five prospect in the system or top five prospect in a bad system. Um, but he has been really good this season, but he was in Kannapolis for, in my opinion, too long. And the Sox are probably doing it purposefully because they don't really think of him as a got to get enough quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last point is Rodriguez is younger than Robert was when he was making his trek through the system by, I think, a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and age plays a big part in promotions as well. Yeah. My understanding of the, uh, the whole Donko State side bonus uh, doesn't have to do with the team at all. I'm not sure that if that's what you said. I always assumed it was when you get a, a pretty good bonus it's uh it's for the player's benefit i could have that all wrong i always just assumed it was so the player would be able to like keep more of their money if they don't play in the u.s because i guess the u.s (laughs) will start to tax it um right i don't know i think reinsdorf has to pay well the white Sox board has to pay a certain tax on it too i see but um yeah robert did save money staying in the dsl as well yeah is whatever gigantic bonus he got. Yes. And I did not, uh, certainly did not mean to ignore uh, Norivera uh, throwing uh, three strikeouts in his uh, one inning of work, a sort of delayed start to the season, I'm sure by design, <laughs> but it's good to know he's, he's alive. He's well, he's pitching great. I'm not a bad DSL team as we, as we explained, he will not get to face all 45 other teams, but uh, he will get to face plenty, I hope, and probably, sh- and, and, and play well enough for us to know that he's on a pretty fast track, given that he's clearly uh, not age appropriate for the DSL. So he should be crushing it in the Dominican Republic. And hopefully next year he won't miss a beat. Uh, Darren, then let me shift it to this. Not that this is important. It's, it, it is always nice to see fast movers. It's nice to see a guy, guys um, getting pushed and promoted. You know, even Luis Robert, given the injuries he had, I mean, he just, Madrigal as well. Nick Madrigal, I think, qualifies as guys who just, every time they were challenged by a new level, just killed it. Um, and I'm not saying the White Sox have any of those guys. Do you see anybody, even a short relief guy, making a, a faster than anticipated move into the majors? Not that the White Sox are desperate, you know, for guys. They're they're fairly stacked, yeah. But uh, you always want those guys nipping at it. Maybe guy who gets to Charlotte faster and starts knocking on the door faster than you expect. Or right now, do we just not have that? Um, well, I think the best candidate for that was probably Yolki Cespedes, just because he is a bit older and already in Winston-Salem and already, like, hitting the ball really well. Um, we'll get to the Arizona Fall League later, but I'm guessing that he would be a candidate for that just to get him more at-bats. But he, I hope he starts in the season in Birmingham next season. If he does, there's a chance that he could get to the majors if he does pretty well again mm-hmm. next season. Um, but if he starts in Winston-Salem, then I would see the Robert traje- trajectory. Yeah. If he crushes there, then go to Birmingham, right. then Charlotte. Um but other guys, I can't really, I can't really see it, just because so many in the lower levels just haven't done so well. 
Um, you would have assumed heading into the season, Jared Kelly would be a candidate or Matt Thompson, Drew Dahlquist, but they all didn't do well. Yeah. So you kind of have to just sit back and wait for them to get better. So Cespedes has done well enough um, in, in, you know, is, is still a handful of games. He's played you know, a, a month plus maybe worth of games, but, sh- but shown out pretty well. Um, and as you're pointing out, there's a trajectory that sees him, you know, in, in, you know, in the majors, if he can get close to the Robert track at his age. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is this mean that we are going to have to endure an off season that says, yes, Gavin Sheets is your starting right fielder next year. And until he's keeping the seat warm for Cespedes, uh, are they going to be able to get away with that? Because there's guys who are going to fill that position enough for us to, just to, again, sell a bill of goods to White Sox fans. Yeah, no. So I'm pretty sure the, the platoon in right field is going to be Gavin Sheets and Adam, Adam Angle next season. Um, I would prefer it to not be. I would prefer that they would get an actual starting <laughs> right fielder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Wow. <laughs> what yeah. are you thinking? Um, yeah. Or of course they could, it could still be Eloy and Vaughn out there and then sheets DHs sometimes um, when Eloy is in the outfield or something like that. But I'm guessing that's how it's going to go. Um and not that either of those guys are like bad. It's just the Sox can make the, like if they signed Michael Brantley in the off season, like they should have like that, uh, his team would be in a completely different spot. So free agency isn't bad. You don't have to settle with not as good guys, even though Gavin <laughs> Sheets is awesome and he might be fantastic. You can always still improve. Um, but yeah, other than that, I know Adam Eaton's available again. He is, um, he is. But, Yolki Cespedes probably isn't the answer next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and as much as you want to see these guys, the, whole, the next man up thing, right. That's the theme of the season, certainly for the offense next man up uh, as much as you want to see that work. It's like, Oh my God, what have you done to this front office? You've just given them fuel for like the next five years for them just to be like, yeah, sure. It's going to be Blake Rafferty next year. He's going to get called up and he's going to just kick ass because that's just what we do in Chicago. And wait, you were <laughs> suggesting Darren that next year's, middle infielder uh backup uh andrew vaughn might play ref uh, right field is it you you said that right he might be in right field the, the middle infielder andrew vaughn might be in right field yeah he, he'll be he'll play wherever tony <laughs> asks him to <laughs> yeah oh god he's the new larry garcia there you go i mean sorry larry but you know he's you're getting older you get more expensive well. yeah Ah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me we'll see where he gets to play the last six weeks of the season okay let's start to uh get into the home stretch here for some reason i've got in my head that i want to talk about the arizona fall league don't ask me why we don't even know if there's going to be an arizona fall league but i did ask you darren to come up with at least four names because i do believe it was just four guys in the last arizona fall league you looked it up and said that the each team has the ability to send as many as seven or the shared rosters i think maybe about four major league teams four or six major league teams make up each arizona fall league team so it's a combination roster just weird grab ass ball i think the white Sox only had four guys perhaps in 2019 so let's just assume they do four guys i'm going to tell you my guys you can tell me how stupid i am for choosing these guys and then you can tell me who the top four guys should be i'm going to say uh naturally right me and troopers say jose rodriguez andrew perez uh uh uh, freeman and uh romy gonzalez all right i think um 
I was going to say I'm going to pick two different people now. Okay. But I was going to say Jose Rodriguez and Rami Gonzalez because they usually pick people who do really well during the season. Right. And obviously both of those guys did really well. Um, Rami Gonzalez, I think, is like almost guaranteed because mm-hmm. he's also a bit older and mm-hmm. probably needs the a bit longer of a season of ABs. Jose Rodriguez might be a bit more iffy because he's 20. Uh, but if we're going based on merit, like the, those two hitters right. probably deserve it more than the most. Yeah, it's sort of almost like um, it's almost like an all-star game selection, right? It's like um, we want to honor you for what you've done, but also uh, let's throw you in against a mix of competition. Where I mean, it's it's a, I don't know, it's pretty rare, if ever, that there's like a Triple A guy in the Mariners. So you're sort of throwing guys out there, like okay, let's see how Jose Rodriguez plays against competition that maybe he really hasn't seen yet. Uh, it seems like that's sort of the profile for it. You got pictures that you're going to send? Oh yeah, for so I'm gonna for pitchers I'm gonna just stay in Canapolis um, and go with guys that were hurt that need to pitch. Uh, Matthew Thompson and Jared Kelly. So you're actually sending decent names, um, but obviously Kelly he was hurt for a little bit. Same with Thompson, and they haven't really been pitching that often. Um, but if you really just kind of want him to be around like talented guys, not that Canapolis didn't have talented guys but like guys that are doing well then I would send them to the fall league um not that those guys have really deserved it per se but um they definitely should be there um and then the other two uh, I would say Yolki Cespedes because he mm. started so late he needs the at-bats and it's also like hey you actually did pretty well um good luck um and then Yolbert Sanchez another mm. guy right. who's a bit older let's see how he does against right. the older competition no those are good um, so I think in total we we could have put together a full AFL White Sox compliment <laughs> of seven if they do that yeah and but let's see let's see what, what I would do. do yeah no you're right Cespedes is for sure he was on my list and somehow uh fell off apparently but uh Sanchez another good call o- older guy uh, is there a risk uh with a name like um uh, Kelly uh Dahlquist Thompson of is there a confidence risk there I mean I don't even want to be a little delicate with these guys that competition in the AFL average competition probably is going to be greater than what they've seen is there a little risk there i guess you can always protect guys in case things aren't going well yeah there is a decent amount of risk i remember birdie also went to the afl um like the year that he was coming back and he didn't do well at all and that was kind of like oh uh is he bad now um and you could kind of see the same thing happening with kelly and thompson um but at this point with especially kelly coming out of high school last year i'm just looking at he needs to pitch innings yeah, uh, and you can't really simulate in-game pitching, and this is the AFL is usually where you do that at. Um, maybe he doesn't do well, uh, but he hasn't been doing well, so I don't know how much more that can. <laughs> maybe yeah. just like another month of continued not doing well wouldn't be great, but um, he yeah. I mean, he wouldn't pitch in that many games either. Probably yeah. like three or four. But. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have to look at so negatively. I mean, Adam Engel is Mr. Super Arizona. He's carried He's who he was so great oh, yeah. in Arizona Fall League that I he now Gavin every Chief spring. In the Arizona Fall League. Yeah. And every spring training now, Adam Engel has to be an MVP because he just, when he gets to Arizona, if the Diamondbacks were smart, I've said it before, if they were smart, they trade for Adam Engel because Adam Engel could be an MVP playing for the Diamondbacks. <laughs> he loves Arizona. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a negative thing, even though I think all 
four. I still want to say it's four. In 2019, I don't think anybody did any good for the, the White Sox. Not, maybe not terrible. Not to go. No, Blake, Blake Rutherford did not do well. Uh, Mike Rodolfo, <laughs> you give him a pass because, you know, he was still like, even tell you, that was, those were his yeah. first games in right field. Uh, and, you know, he had a few homers, I think. But I mean, it's just a, yeah, it's sort of just a trial league. Okay, man, that is way more Arizona fall league talk than you ever thought you would get in August, but Hey man, we're on the crest of the wave here with the Southside Sox on the farm podcast. And uh, we found a way to, to fill another terrific program. Darren, thank you for picking up the phone this time, man. I just called and I called and I called last Monday yeah. and you just didn't pick up. What's what's going on with that, man? Uh, I just kept pressing decline, 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 <laughs> decline. I just didn't get it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't blame you. In fact, I appreciate the fact that like now f- about 14 times or so, like at least a dozen times you have actually clicked accept. I appreciate that. I love that show of faith. And maybe when I call next Monday, you'll once again hit accept and we'll do um, number 15 together. We'll find some other stuff to talk about in this lousy, 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 lousy. So maybe we will celebrate. Maybe next uh, week's episode will be a celebration of the Birmingham Barons. Yep. The best team in minors, White Sox history. Yes, virtually, absolutely virtually. Probably still riding the Michael Jordan bus. All right, Darren, well, uh, thanks for yeah, uh, hopping Space on. Space Jam 2 came out, so yeah. Let's see, there you go. There you go. There's money lying around. Um, we will do this again in a week. We promise we will not deprive you. You you dedicated and loyal paid subscribers. We will absolutely not deny you another episode of <laughs> Southside Sox on the Prime, at least until maybe, I don't know, the season's over. Uh, I'm guessing there's not going to be a lot of playoffs for the White Sox organization this year, uh, but we will talk Birmingham, 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 and Birmingham, because they put that Barons uniform on and they just mash hell out of the ball. And we like to see that. It's good to know that one level still remembers how to do that, because even Charlotte seems yep. to have forgotten, especially with the guys who were injured. But everybody, thanks, as always, for listening to our podcast reading our site, uh, checking out our stuff. Uh, We'll be back with you in another week. It will be Southside Sox on the Farm 15. And until then, we will see you.